Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in with us here. Four o'clock hour, if you're a nine to five or 53 minutes, 25 seconds until you're at the finish line. I appreciate so much though you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents as we're talking about all things economic, financial, those kinds of things that are impacting your lives, perhaps family members, perhaps colleagues as well, or things that you just may have seen across the headlines. We're going to be talking a lot today about companies, a couple of big earnings reports here this past week, especially if you're an investor in the stock market, kinds of things you're going to want to keep on your radar screen. You recall, though, that as a previous listener here on Dollars and Cents, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you, meaning that even though we're talking on companies, we're going to be talking about some in a positive light, some maybe in a negative light. Again, everybody's situation is unique. You want to make sure that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial Group, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address or a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you, again, at northmainfinancial.com. Well, again, I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. We're going to get right into it. This is the What's Hot segment. And I say segment, but it kind of bleeds over into a couple different segments. Frankly, if we're talking about it, especially here over the last several weeks, we've been talking about a number of things that have been hitting across our radar screen here. And th there have been some big ones this past week. Producer Bill and I were just talking here a few moments ago about some of the things that were hitting the uh, financial universe radar screen uh, here over the last several days. I'm going to get into one of the biggest ones. And again, if, you, if you've been watching news at all, business news at all, looking online at the kinds of things that are, that are crossing the airwaves, hard to miss the announcement that uh, Capital One Financial, so ticker symbol COF, Charlie Oscar Frank, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold uh, Capital One, uh, has made an announcement that they're going to be buying or, depending upon how you're looking at it, merging with Discover Financial, Discover the Discover card uh, or Discover um, online savings accounts. You may have heard about DF, uh, David Frank is the ticker symbol for them. Again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Discover Financial, but, uh, but they announced that they were going to be merging and uh, uh, big numbers, 35 billion would be the uh, the combined value of the two in the acquisition process. So really large companies. We're talking about hundreds of millions of folks who have credit cards with uh, Discover Financial and with Capital One, uh, li literally hundreds of millions of folks who have uh, savings accounts and other kinds of financial products between these two entities. Big, big deal. Again, Capital One Financial and Discover Financial looking at the merger possibility. Now, I'm, I'm delineating, and you can probably hear it even in the language that I'm using here, but I'm delineating between saying that, uh, that it's bought and that they are pursuing it or have announced it. And the reason for that is, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds on you here, but I, I do want you to be aware of this. There is an announcement, and then there is a review process, specifically by the FTC or Federal Trade Commission, to make sure that there is not let's call it a restriction in commerce or uh, ways in which that there might uh, be perceived or otherwise a concentration among certain entities that create 
a lack of competition. Do you like that? That was about, a, I think, a dime, maybe even a quarter's worth of words there in, in putting together some politically correct language. In short, what they're, what they're trying to do, what the review process is, is trying to do, is to ensure that there is not an unnatural concentration or monopoly, monopolization of uh, particular companies and, and specifically the opportunity for consumers to choose among different entities. So I say that to say that there is a review process here. It's possible that there could be conditions that are imposed upon Discover and Capital One before this merger is, is allowed to be approved here in the U.S. And, and or in more extreme scenarios, there's a complete bust up of, of the uh, sale process altogether, meaning that they don't actually merge. And this happens with greater regularity than you may think. Meaning we see this, especially with smaller companies who are in tightly wound industries where there may not be a whole lot of competition, where particular mergers or acquisitions among public and traded companies may not happen because of that. So we're gonna be watching that closely. Uh, we're looking at, so you say, how long does this take? Uh, six months-ish, uh, especially with companies this large. We're looking at six months, perhaps nine months before we get uh, some kind of uh, inkling about what is going to be necessary, if anything, to, uh, to be adjusted in this process in order for this sale to go through. And, uh, and if it's not, we're certainly going to bring you that information as well. But if you're one, I mean, if you're like me, I mean, certainly through the years, I've had a, a lot of interaction with Capital One, with Discover Financial, not only personally, but on behalf of my clients, whether it's been with the credit card process or with online savings accounts or other kind of financial instruments, whether it's loans of one kind or another, uh, all kinds of things that have been a part of that experience. So we're going to be watching that very closely, but certainly in the financial universe, this is a big deal. And then very naturally what happens after that, and, and the market is, you know, we, the market is known for this. They begin to look at other possibilities. Well, okay, well, if Capital One and Discover Financial are getting together, does that mean that that particular sector or the market overall is ripe for additional M&A or merger and acquisition activity? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, certainly, there's been some bid up here over the last uh, couple of, of trading sessions in a number of different sectors with some anticipation that there was going to be uh, more motivation inside of the market. Is that going to happen? Again, tough to say. I mean, certainly when you're looking at the financial end of the uh, the universe, when I say financial, I mean the financial sector. So I'm looking at banks, I'm looking at credit agencies, I'm looking at other kinds of entities which are a part of the financial sector. And, uh, and looking at what that means as far as whether there's going to be additional merger and or acquisition activity involved. Maybe, but they've come through a rough patch here in the last year. You heard me talk about here, well, really for the last year, especially around March of 2023, when we had those issues with uh, Signature Bank and, and Silicon Valley Bank, SVB on the West Coast, and the FDIC had to come in and take them over. And there was a lot of mess in the regional banking system. I'm looking specifically at regional banks, not at the, the very large money center banks, but the, more the regional banks. Boy, it was a messy time, and 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 those valuations got hammered. And in most instances, those regional bank uh, prices have still not recovered from where they pulled back. I mean, because many of them were 30, 40, 50, 60 percent and more during that time in terms of the pullback in their stock price. Many of those have not recovered from that space, even though they've come up off their lows. They've not recovered to where they were prior to that time. So uh, there, there's a lot of 
let's say, help that that sector needs in order to recover just from where it was here about 12 months ago or so. So we're going to be watching this. I mean, again, when you're looking at, at financial institutions, you probably have seen commercials for Capital One. You probably and, and may have seen commercials for Discover as well. So these are well-known names. This is going to have some implication for how the overall financial sector is going to look here, I would say, even in the near term. And when you look at other entities in the financial sector, like JP Morgan Chase, uh, which has just hit a, uh, an all-time high in terms of its stock price, kind of interesting to see that. So it's again, it's not for all companies all of the time, but it certainly is an indication that there is movement within the financial sector. Is that due to a rise in interest rates? Is that due to a loan possibilities, perhaps? Some of the cooldown that we've seen in other parts of the economy are not as pertinent to them right now. Certainly some of the stock prices seem to indicate that. Well, friends, I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm going to take a deep breath. We're going to hear from our sponsors here on WSIC. Keep it right here. Dollars and Cents with certified financial planner Joshua Doby. We'll return shortly on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. We're back now with more of Dollars and Cents with your host, certified financial planner, Joshua Doby on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter of today's show. Yeah, you're going to get some football references. I know it's not football season. I heard from some of you last week as well. Why are you talking about football when it's not football season? That's just what you're going to get here. I mean, that, I mean we, we, we are sports, sports and we're food people. I'm going to talk food as well. We're going to be talking food here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, it, one, in terms of how expensive it is, but also in terms of yeah, just food that we like. So we're going to be talking about that as well. Even if you're saying, what does that have to do with things financial? It's expensive. Of course it has to do with things financial. We're going to be talking about that and some of the impact points here. I appreciate so much. You hanging with us here into the second quarter here on Dollars and Cents. We're going to keep going with What's Hot. I, I used to say that What's Hot was a single segment. We, we blend this over to two, sometimes three segments here on uh, on Dollars and Cents because there's so much that's going on here. I got to bring up one. And and this is a company that, uh, that at full disclosure, I've been following them for a very long time when they were much smaller and certainly off the radar screen. But boy, have they exploded here and uh, have become, I believe, their third in line in terms of the largest market capitalization in uh, here in the U.S. When I say market capitalization, I'm talking about their value on the stock market as a publicly traded company, NVIDIA. Now, when we're looking at NVIDIA, again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold NVIDIA, so be very clear about that. But when we're looking at them, they came out with earnings yesterday, and and I I think by any reasonable technical analysis, they've been parabolic in, in, in a positive direction. You're saying, what's parabolic? I mean, they're going straight up basically here, especially over the last year and a half. 2022 was uh, definitely a cool down time, meaning the year 2022 was definitely a cool down time for all things that had to do with uh, the large technology companies. But boy, since uh, January 1st of 2023, I think they were positive. Their stock price was positive over 400%. Last year in 2023, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then since basically since January 1st, positive about 40% uh, here. I mean, just crazy stuff. And even today, it increased by about 10 or 11%. Again, be very, very clear, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold this company. But holy smokes, because we're talking about a trillion dollar plus company. Actually, we're, we're getting bored. They're going to bump into $2 trillion here before too long. Trillion, as in, as in with a T. So huge company. And you may not have heard of them in the past. And I completely understand that. Actually, when we started following them about seven years ago, 
Nobody had heard of them. And then there were these contracts, when I say nobody, I, on a relative basis, uh, because it was a pretty small group that was on the, the, the initial call. I remember looking at it saying, I'm not sure really what this company does. And I looked around, there were only about 17 other people, literally, uh, who were on the call. Not true anymore. My goodness, they are everywhere. And, uh, and very, very interesting as a company. So you may say, okay, NVIDIA, who are they? Why are they important? Why are they the third largest uh, company literally on the stock exchange right now in terms of market capitalization? Well, I'm going to give you two letters, and you'll probably understand it. Literally, as I say these two letters, why they are so popular right now. It's not just these two letters, but it is a number of other things that they do. But certainly right now, this is the hot track, AI. Artificial intelligence. And uh, and I don't think that we, certainly as a market, I'm not sure if I can speak for other folks, but certainly as a market, we don't even know really what that means at this point. I mean, we got chat G, uh, GPT, we got other kinds of things that, uh, that do data analysis or large scale data analysis or other kinds of... Uh, Let's 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 call them video game like experiences. Is that is that a fair phrase in uh, in characterizing them? But certainly in terms of the the computer chips or the semiconductors, for the more formal word there, that powers these experiences. You're not going to find anybody who's even close to NVIDIA, meaning that NVIDIA, I don't want to say monopoly, but they're pretty much in their own world right now in terms of the amount and power of, of chips that they are uh, devising. And because, sidebar, they actually aren't in the manufacturing end of things. Very interesting kind of company. They actually aren't in the manufacturing end of things. They are just in the formulation and design aspect of things. Keeps their margins very high. It's a, it's, it's a brilliant uh, kind of business plan, in my opinion, uh, in how they put things together. But if, when you look at them as a company, then you look at them and, and who their competition is, it's really hard to find folks who are in their realm right now. And again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold. I, I know I keep saying that, but folks sometimes get a little bit excited when I say, well, you were really talking about this company last week in a, in a positive light. Yeah. I'm saying it because of really how the stock price has moved. And as you can hear, and you probably have heard through the uh, through the tone of my voice, and certainly if you're watching here on the socials, that uh, that I'm not going to be the one who's hopping up and down after a company has increased uh, a lot in stock price, especially far ahead of, of normalized expectations. You're going to ask me what normalized is, and yes, I'm going to say that's a subjective measure and that I formulate it myself. <laughs> but when we're looking at these kinds of things, it, it's unnatural for or for a company to grow in parabolic ways in perpetuity. Right, so that's the dime phrase for what we're talking about here. Let me put it uh, more casually in words that, generally speaking, are easier for someone like me to understand. Things don't go straight up forever; they just don't. But for right now, this particular company's stock price is—it's unbelievable. I'll be one. I'll, I'll raise my hand very quickly. So they came out with earnings yesterday, and then I know I'm spending a lot of time on this company, but uh, but it's because they again they are the third largest company in terms of market capitalization on the stock exchange. They came out with earnings yesterday. And I didn't think, and this is me, subjective, look at things, uh, full disclosure, uh, I like to tell you about my uh, the ones where I missed as, as much as the ones that I think I've hit, at least is somewhere close to, uh, to where things are. I didn't think there was any way they could hit expectations. I just didn't. Mathematically, I mean, how, when, you, when you're looking straight up, how far can you fly? How high can you go? And boy, did they hit it. I mean, it was it was just amazing. I mean, to see the numbers they 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 produce to the market, and this is all justified. I mean, it's not like they're they're doing funny math or anything like that. Very very interesting. Now, again, I say all of that with all the appropriate caveats about not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold. I would say though, just as as a word of awareness, 
that again, that nothing goes straight up forever. Now I say the same thing, so I so this is I gotta say this as well. Nothing goes straight down forever as well, unless it's going to be bankrupt, right? That's an easy way to uh, to cover off on that caveat. But uh, but when when something is is going generally speaking in a negative direction, there is a cyclical aspect to it. Same thing when things are going up for a significant amount of time. There is a cyclical aspect to it. You don't have to believe me. Look at basically every company that's been around for the last. 80 years, 90 years. It has been that has been the case. Now there are companies that go bankrupt. Yes, they go to zero, absolutely true. But uh, but in terms of most companies, most viable companies, there is a cyclical nature to their stock prices when they are publicly traded. Just be aware of that. That's the only thing I'm saying there. Does that mean that Nvidia is going to go down tomorrow? Don't have any idea. Does that mean they're going to go up tomorrow? Don't have any idea. This is more about just understanding again, broadening the awareness of what it means to be a publicly traded company because we as group think and if you watch any of the business news program, I'm doing this through gritted teeth. I know. I'm uh, I'm showing it through my body language and through the sound of my voice here. If you watch any of our business news programs, gosh, it's no wonder we think in straight lines. When things are things are doing well, we get a whole bunch of so-called experts and bobbing heads on uh, on these programs that say, "Well, you know what? It's doing well. It's going to continue to do great." Okay, how? Why? Because it has done that well in the past. I never get very good answers to that kind of thing. By the way, the same thing happens in the inverse. Whenever things are not doing well, you get the same bobbing heads and so-called experts who are on there saying, well, you know, things are really not looking all that good right now. Really don't know what's going to happen here. So, I mean, amazing, but it happens every single time. So this is just a word of caution, a word of note, a word of prudence relative to managing your portfolio. Make sure you're making your decisions for the right reasons. I'll say it another way, just because something has done well in the past doesn't mean it's going to go straight up in the future. By the way, inverse true, just because something has not done as well in the past doesn't mean that it's not going to do well in the future. Make sure you're making your decisions for the right reasons. That's the move. That's the note there. So, all right, let's keep moving. Moving on from NVIDIA, although I'm probably going to come back to it because it is such a huge company here. But uh, but certainly we want to uh, to keep moving. I, I want to give just the, just this note here. This is a data point. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this is, this is a data point about which I want you to be aware. Because sometimes, and, and, and folks on my side of the desk have been guilty of saying this for many years, sometimes uh, we get this notion that, all right, you, you, know, you invest in the market, you invest in the stock market, you invest in certain things, and you set it and forget it, you come back in 10 years and you're going to be happy. Well, maybe. And for many things, maybe that has been true. But, but I'm going to talk here about a market, a large market, third largest market uh, in the world in terms of index or those kinds of things which track the market indexes. And uh, it has been on a 34 year losing streak. Now, when I say 34 year losing streak, that doesn't mean it has gone down every single year for 34 years. What I'm saying is that in terms of how the, the, the this particular index is calculated, it has not returned to the space that it was 34 years ago. And it's not quite there yet. It's getting close, but it has not returned to the space where it was 34 years ago until just about now. Now that's, that's pretty crazy when you're looking at long-term investing. I mean, 34 years, you would generally think that was something that's 30, you get into something for 34 years, oh, I should be able to make some money uh, along the way. However, if you had invested in the Nikkei, which is the Japanese uh, most commonly quoted index, the Japanese Nikkei 225, 225, 225 companies uh, in, in Japan, which are traded in Japan on the Nikkei index, 34 years ago, uh, was that to the point where pretty close to where it is right now. Put another way, 
If you put $100 into a fund that generally tracked the Nikkei 225 uh, here 34 years ago, you would have pretty much exactly the same money that you had then. Amazing when you think about it. And I say this because, yes, it is a word of caution, but it's, it's really more a word of just being prudent in how you do things. I mean, it's, it's not true that just because uh, you are invested that necessarily it's the right place for you to be or that there aren't reasons to make tweaks and changes along the way. And I'm, yes, I am using an extreme example. That's all right. You can call in and tell me that. There's no, there's no problem at all with, it, with you doing that. But, uh, but I want you to be aware of this because it's important to pay attention to the kinds of things that are a function of your decision making. Meaning, why do you make the decisions that you do when it comes to investing? Is it just because things happen to be going well? Because newsflash, Nikkei 225 here 34 years ago, it was the absolute place to be. Holy smokes. I mean, you, everything you touch that had to do with an investment from the Japanese end of things, especially here in the U.S. with regards to real estate, it was the place to be. Couldn't, I mean, everything was great. Everything was perfect. It, it was just, it was almost a can't lose kind of scenario. And if you got gray hair or less hair, both of which are true for me uh, with the hair that remains, that, uh, that there was the ultimate investment to make. I mean, we had things with regards to manufacturing processes and in terms of real estate investment that, uh, that again, were supposedly untouchable. Not always the case. So that's why it's imprudent. That's why it's important to make the decisions that you make for investing in the right ways. Friends, we're going to take a, a break here, here on WSIC Dollars and Cents. Coming back in just a few moments. Hang with us. More of Dollars and Cents with Certified Financial Planner Joshua Doby is coming up on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Dollars and Cents continues now. Here's your host, Certified Financial Planner Joshua Doby on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half. You're almost there. If you're a nine to five, or I promise you 25 minutes, 41 seconds until you're at the end of the line here. All right. And I appreciate you spending the time with us as you make the sprint towards the end of the day, as we're here talking about all things economic and financial here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. All right. As we're going to break there, we were talking NVIDIA. We were talking some of the earnings reports that are out there. And, and those are th those are important to know, not because we want to hyper-focus on individual companies, but especially especially for something like NVIDIA, uh, which is the third largest company from a market capitalization standpoint now, traded on the American stock exchanges, not the American stock exchange, but on stock exchanges here in the US, that, uh, that it is important for us to keep in mind. But I want to give you one on the other side of the ledger, uh, just because it's important to recognize, I'm not just looking at the ones that are going up, I'm looking at the ones that are going down. Palo Alto Networks, interesting, very interesting earnings report here a couple of weeks, or excuse me, a couple of days ago. Uh, PANW, uh, the, uh, the, the stock symbol there. And again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Palo Alto Networks. But because I want to bring it up, it's it's important to understand how, how companies can move in both directions in a very short time frame. Now, Palo Alto Networks has had a wonderful run here. They, they are primarily... Uh, focused on cybersecurity and other kinds of software-related uh, management tools, especially when it comes to security-related kinds of things online. And, and they do a number of other things as well, but that's one of their primary concentration points. And uh, they came out with, a, with an earnings report that, frankly, this is my subject of look at it. I read the 10Q, and, and I'm looking at it saying, but it's, that's, it looks reasonable, uh, certainly relative to what the expectations were in the market and what they were going to uh, expect going forward. Now, 
it wasn't maybe as glistening as the market had, had hoped. And uh, I mean, I guess I should say, obviously, it wasn't as glistening as the market had hoped in terms of their go-forward guidance, because the stock went down 25% in a day. Now we're talking about large companies here. We're not talking about you know small startup, you know, multi-million dollar companies. We're talking about multi-billion, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in uh, in these company sizes, and uh, to move twenty five percent to the negative in a day. And this wasn't this wasn't due to accounting irregularities or businesses stopping or some other kind of geopolitical event which would uh, would all but shut them down. Now this was due to a, a go forward earnings report. Uh, or go forward look at uh, at future earnings reports that wasn't as perfect as the market desired and I say that because it's important to keep in mind you know as I look at one that has gone up in a parabolic way you can have those that pull back in an inversely parabolic way and uh, and that can change the look of your portfolio very quickly in a not desirable way if you're not paying attention to how you're allocated and that's what's most important. And I say this, and you hear me say this all the time here on Dollars and Cents, going to say it again, because I've had these conversations even in this past week about folks saying, oh, why weren't you, in, you know, invested in fill in the blank, which has done so amazingly well. Well, we are, maybe just not to the concentration that you would prefer. And uh, I'm going to give you a horrible cliche here. And it's, it's one that's been on the street forever. It, it really has been. But, but it absolutely holds true. And it is holding true right now, especially with regards to, uh, to the, the parts of the market that are doing well. And the cliche goes like this. It says, bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs get slaughtered. And that's true. It absolutely is, meaning that from a strategic standpoint, there are ways to make money in looking at it in a positive direction. There are even ways to make money, positive being the bull run. There are ways to make money in the negative direction. If you anticipate that a company is going to do poorly, there are ways to make money going in the other direction, a bear run. However, the pigs, the ones who get way out, I'm going to just keep using metaphors here until you're sick of them. The ones who get way out over their skis long after they should have called her today. Those are the ones that, that get their head handed to them. And that's true. It really is true. See it time and time and time again. And, and when we look at it from a portfolio management standpoint, it's so important not to get carried away in either direction. Truly is. I mean, you hear me say all the time, one of the things we do at North Main Financial, we don't get too high on the high and, one, and we're too low on the lows. We just don't. And that's just a very cliched and casual way of saying, if things look great, wonderful. We're thankful for it. We're ahead of the curve, but we don't get carried away with it. Same thing on the negative side. Actually, on the negative side, usually we're looking that, at that as opportunity. And for us to be able to perhaps take advantage of some pricing that hasn't been available, especially for good investments and good holdings that we've had for a long time. So that's very important to keep in mind. Very important. Because the group think out there, it's, it's just looking at the ones that have done well and, and, quote, everybody's getting into it. Boy, that's certainly true for a lot of the winners here over the last 15 months or so. And then for the ones that haven't been winners here over the last 15 months or so, gosh, it is impossible, relatively speaking, to find anybody who's interested in talking about them, let alone investing them in them on a relative basis. I want you to keep those kinds of things in mind. That's why I'm, I'm uh, spending a little bit more time on that. All right, let's pivot. Food. We talk a lot on food here on Dollars and Cents. That's intentional. We love food. I understand at a certain level everybody loves food, but we really love food. For example, I'm drinking a cup of coffee here. That I'm t I mean, it has like raspberry flavor in it. It's, it's wonderful. I'm not hard to please when it comes to food. This is amazing. All right. 
food. We're talking about it in terms of the expense of food. You probably have experienced, I certainly have experienced, that the cost of food, whether it's in the grocery store, more retail kind of experience, or in our prepared foods and restaurant style experience, those costs have gone up significantly. And, and I'm going to use some percentages here, but they're broad-based percentages. They're, they're not true across the board. Your experience may be more or less than what I'm going to be talking about here. But in terms of the, the pricing in our grocery stores, in our restaurant experiences here, oh, really since COVID, has, have just gone up significantly. And, uh, and you can start all the way back at, at the front end of the, uh, of, of the production chain and look at it in terms of the commodity costs themselves, many of which have gone up dramatically. I mean, when I talk dramatically, I'm not talking about, you know, eight, 10, 12%. I'm talking about two, three, four, 500%, a thousand percent in terms of the commodity cost here over the last couple of years. I mean, if you look at the, at the, at the wholesale or the, rather the, um, uh, the spot price of cocoa, cocoa beans, as in the base uh, ingredient for chocolate. Holy smokes. I mean, it literally is at an all-time high. It's unbelievable uh, how high that I mean, There are some experts out there on cocoa beans. I'm not one of them. I'm just observing the price change in those. Holy mackerel. I understand why, why, why candy is so expensive. I try to tell it to my young children and so that we don't have to buy as much uh, candy. They don't seem to understand that at this point, probably because they are under the age of 15. But uh, we'll, we'll try to keep working on that so that we buy less, uh, less on the candy aisle end of things. But um, that being said, coming back to, again, the, the cost of food. It's, uh, it's significant because now manufacturers are beginning to change, not all of them, but, uh, but some manufacturers, especially the big ones, and I'm looking at Galanova, I'm looking at Mondelez, I'm looking at Nestle, I'm looking at the, the, the largest of the, of the uh, especially call them dry goods manufacturers uh, that are putting food product in packages, uh, so CPG end of things, on our shelves. And, and they're changing what they're doing in terms of not only the size of the container itself or the size of the package itself, meaning in shrinkage, we see that a lot in terms of shrinkage, but also in terms of the ingredients that are being used, or they are producing and introducing other items which are not as, as expensive per unit. And the, and the reason is because we're seeing price sensitivity. We're seeing that actually at the grocery store level as well, meaning that grocery stores that tend to have a higher average price point for certain food products and those that have a lower price point for those same styles not necessarily the same manufacturer, but the same style of food products, those lower price point uh, grocery stores are getting a lot more traction right now. And there's, there's definitely a decrease in foot traffic with our higher priced uh, grocery stores. And that's, again, that's not across the board. That's a generalization, but we're seeing that. So we're starting to see changes in pricing behavior. Restaurants are seeing that as well. I mean, it's, it's really hard right now because with restaurants, they're being squeezed at the back end relative to their cost of, of buying the, the uh, raw product before they actually produce it, produce, the, um, uh, produce food in the restaurant space. They're, they're getting squeezed on the back end in terms of a rise in the food in the raw food product. They're having to charge more at the table, but they're, they're getting pounded on that, meaning they're just not able necessarily to always be competitive on that because they have to charge a higher price in order to be able to cover off and cover for staff and cover for the physical space. So it's a very, very challenging space right now when we're talking about food and food production. So whether we're talking about on the retail level, at the grocery store, we're talking about prepared foods in, in our restaurant spaces. Again, that's not to say that everybody's suffering with it because they 
certainly aren't. I mean, you look at some of our restaurants, I mean, they're, they're doing very, very well right now. But I would call those more pockets than I would in terms of looking at the overall picture. Um, so where does it end? Because you hear me talk about the consumer all the time. I am concerned about the consumer's ability to continue to spend at this level. We got credit card debt that's up 35% year over year, now about 15 months and so not quite 12 months, but, uh, but, but year over year, about 35%. At a certain point, the music stops. At a certain point, the, the consumer is going to run out of as much bandwidth as they have today in terms of being able to spend. You remember, you also hear me talk about GDP, about two thirds of GDP is consumer spending. So if the consumer slows down, that is going to impact us overall as an economy. Now, I'm drawing out a straight line here, and you know nothing works in a straight line, but I am raising this as a point of consideration, making sure that you're aware of it so that you don't fall into the trap of thinking in a straight line. It can happen. I know it. We see it all the time. You want to make sure that you don't do that. Well, friends, uh, I'm going to take a, a couple of deep breaths here as we hear from our sponsors here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Hang with us as we get into the fourth quarter. We're going to be talking about what to know, do a wrap on the markets. Come back soon here on WSIC. There's more of Dollars and Cents with certified financial planner Joshua Doby on the way from 1059 100.7 WSIC. Making your money make sense. Dollars and Cents with CFB Joshua Doby on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter football reference. It's, it's, it's going to be here before you know it. We're, we're going to be right back in. And I know we got baseball season. And I am excited about baseball season. And we got basketball. This is that confluence, right? This is that that confluence part, Producer Bill, the uh, the time of the year where now we, we have ended football, but we got hockey, baseball, and basketball all, all playing at the same time. We also might even have football. Now, wait a minute. The, I think I just saw a commercial. The U, oh, U.S. USFL. Right, right. The combination. The combination yes, of the... Yes, Spring football is back. That's what The Rock told me. Mm, well, if The Rock says it, you know, it must be true. <laughs> yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. Especially if you said it on the internet, because <laughs> yeah. all things that you read on the internet, that's not true. <laughs> but but uh, but but uh, but <laughs> that's right. I forgot about yeah, so that. We're in football the season. Yeah. Thank goodness. All right. So you you basically can't miss. You're gonna turn on the, you're gonna turn on the television, or you're gonna look on your uh, on your device. You're gonna find something sports wise that's out there. But I appreciate it so much hanging with us here. Fourth quarter of uh, of dollars and cents, and we have a segment that I, I got to touch on it here, and I got carried away on what's hot because there's so much that's going on in the market right now and, and around us economically. But I definitely have to talk about what to know, and what to know is is that segment or the, this time of the, of the show here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial, where we talk about the kinds of things that that may be part of your experience, you've heard about those kinds of things that that maybe you may experience in the future yet and just haven't to this point. I'm going to talk about actually because it is tax season. I know I don't like tax season either. None of us do. But, uh, but because it is tax season, I'm touching on some things that have to do with tax related topics. And I'm going to talk about a 1099 form, a 1099 form. Now, you may or may not be one who has received or is receiving uh, or who may receive a 1099 form. 
What are they though? So what do we? What are they with regards to our our experience from a financial standpoint? Ten ninety nine forms are forms that you receive from a money manager, from a financial institution, perhaps even from a vendor of some kind, uh, which is an indication of some kind of revenue received, meaning that you received some kind of revenue uh, in a generally what is ascribed as a passive way, or if you work as a contractor or as a non, um, what's called a non-exempt employee, that you uh, received it as a result of maybe some work that you did for, uh, for a particular entity. So a 1099 form, 1099 form indicates some value that you received, either for work that you did on some contract level, uh, sort of basis, or if it's more passive income that you receive, say from an investment or from uh, from other from a, from another kind of financial instrument. So what what do they look like? Well, they look like a lot like the W-2 forms. If you work for an employer in a more formalized kind of space, they look a lot like W-2 forms, but they will indicate the amount of revenue that you may have received as a result of, uh, of, again, either your investment or some kind of engagement on a professional basis. So there are several different kinds. Actually, we're not going to go into all of them here. I just want you to be aware that these 1099 forms exist. Perhaps you have received some interest on some level of bank account account or some uh, some FDIC insured investment. So that'll be a 1099-INT. Uh, perhaps you have received a dividend on some level of investment, be it a stock, be it a mutual fund. That will be a 1099-DIV. Perhaps you have uh, made a transaction. Perhaps you have had an investment that you sold. So you have bought it at some point in the past. You sold it uh, during some time in the past year. You will receive a 1099-B as in boy form. So there are several, and then there is the kind of the catch-all form. 1099 MISC. Look at that one, MISC. Miscellaneous. That literally is what it's described as. 1099 MISC kind of is the catch all form. So if it doesn't fit in to other categories of 1099 forms, you're probably going to get a 1099 MISC, which shows uh, that uh, that there has been, again, some level of, of revenue or income or financial benefit received. I'm not going to get into the to the to the real thick weeds on, on each of those forms. There each of them have some considerations and certain certainly with regards to uh, record keeping and then, of course, uh, entering that information on tax returns, all very important. But I want you to be aware that they're out there. And so they're different from W-2 forms or other kind of tax reporting forms because of the nature or the kinds of uh, income or um, uh, financial impacts that they record, but it's important that you're aware that they're out there. Again, 1099 forms here on what to know uh, here on dollars and cents. So make sure, especially if you are one who is expecting a 1099 form, make sure that you get it. That's the official record of the uh, of the financial uh, impact received or the, or the financial revenue received. You want to make sure that you have that there so that you enter the right things on your tax return. Very important to keep that kind of thing in mind. All right, markets. I know you've been waiting the whole show uh, for this. All right, what's happening? I mean, I feel like I've been talking negative on the markets for some time. And it's not because I'm a negative person. It really isn't. I'm a glass half full naturally kind of guy, especially when it comes to all things financial. Uh, but I, I have been. I've been saying, watch out, look out, maybe coming, look for the pullback. It hasn't happened, at least not as measured by our most popular stock indexes at, uh, at this point. It really hasn't happened. And, and, and you know, then there's, the, uh, the, of course, the classic metaphor that at a certain point, if you talk about something long enough, it, that it eventually will occur and you'll be right. Well, that doesn't have a whole lot of value because if you're wrong for a significant portion of time, it's not going to matter that you're right at some point in the future. 
But what we're looking at here, uh, it, it's been very interesting to uh, to see this because as measured by our most popular stock indices, literally up to uh, today's performance uh, before I hopped on the air here, uh, very, uh, very interesting to watch and certainly mostly positive, especially, again, as measured by our most popular stock indices. Now, does that mean that everything has gone up? Nope. Does that mean that every sector is positive? Nope. But it is, uh, again, the kinds of things that you're going to see on your business news headlines, uh, whether you got, you know, you get the black and white newsprint on your fingers like I do through the newspaper, or you're looking at something online or watching the television, uh, definitely has been uh, positive to this point, especially if you're looking at the technology sector. Not every company, certainly not every company. And I just told you about a couple that were significantly negative here over the last couple of days. But when you're looking at it overall, Certainly has been a relatively positive experience, broadly speaking, uh, again, as measured by, uh, by our, our stock indexes. And I'm looking most specifically at the NASDAQ composite at this point. So what does that mean overall? What does that mean in terms of the go forward kind of space? I mean, you're going to hear me talk like a broken record here a little bit. That's, I mean, that's, that's part of what I do. It is, it, is, it is making sure, and it's not to say to buy, sell, or hold anything frankly, because everybody's situation is unique. It's not true that just because it's appropriate for your friend, your colleague, that that's necessarily what you should do relative to your financial plan or relative to your portfolio management. So that's very, very important to keep in mind, especially uh, taking what I'm going to say next in the context of, of your particular space. Because as you know, we're not giving personal uh, recommendations here. And certainly, we encourage everybody to speak to their tax advisor, their financial advisor. But relative to where the market has been, it's important, you heard me say this earlier with regards to individual companies, I'm going to say it again with regards to the overall market, things do not run in straight lines forever. They just don't. And, and, and now you may say, okay, well, how long is it going to run in a straight line? Well, of course, I don't know that. Of course, nobody has any idea what that. I, mean, I just told you about one, a couple of the ones that I missed here uh, in terms of expectation about where things were going to move here even over the last week. And I've been doing this 28 years. And that doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody else, but I've been watching it sure, certainly for a long time. And, and so th to have an expectation that things are going to move in a straight line over a, over a long period of time is just unnatural. It just doesn't work that way. So I, I raise that up as a point of caution and make sure as you're looking at your portfolio, as you're making tweaks, as you're making adjustments, make sure you do it for the right reasons. Just buying the winners from yesterday is not a strategy. All you're doing is guessing. Make sure if you're doing that, doesn't make it wrong, but make sure if you're doing that, that you're doing that for the right reasons. Do you understand the company? Do you understand the investment? Do you understand what your expectations are for the long term? And simply just to hop on board the train because you think it's going to go higher, friends, again, that's guessing. That's not a strategy. So make sure that you're making your decisions for the right reasons. Can't emphasize that enough, especially as things are going well here. You're going to hear me say it on the other side. I promise you, when the markets pull back, and you know this, you've been a long-time listener here to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. If you've been a long-time listener on here, you know I'm going to say the same thing on the other side. When the market's miserable and you're like, I'm never going to invest in the stock market ever again, no matter what, th this goofy guy is going to be saying, you know what, this is a great time to be looking at opportunities out there. I, I promise you, I'm going to do it. And you're going to think I'm crazy when I'm doing it until you look back in hindsight say, you know what, that would have been a great time for us to invest, whatever. Uh, it happens every single time. So that's why I'm raising the point here. That's why I want you to be aware 
aware when you're thinking about these kinds of things, again, it's not the same for everybody, but it's important to be aware as you're looking at the market that you're making your decisions for the right reasons. Just buying the winner, yesterday's winners is not a strategy. That's guessing. All right, let's let's look at one additional point here before we uh, before we close out today's version of uh, of dollars and cents. I want to take a look. Uh, we're going to come back into uh, more of an anecdotal point here. Uh, this was uh, as as presented in the Wall Street Journal looking at uh, the number of folks who are in what we would call normalized retirement age who are still working. And I think this is important. I, I think it's, it's certainly important in, in our practice at North Main Financial Group because it is a changing dynamic over the last couple of decades that there are more folks over the age of 65 working than we have ever seen. You know, this was actually just, just proven in some data we saw again through the Wall Street Journal uh, that we have approximately 35% of folks over the age of 65 who are still working. Now, are they working because they have to or are they working because they want to? Didn't get that data point. But uh, but there are over 35% of folks over the age of 65 who are still working in some capacity, as opposed to the year 2000, so a couple of decades ago, as opposed to the year 2000, that number was closer to 20%. So 20% now upwards of 35% of folks who are still working. Very interesting. That changes a lot of dynamics when it comes to our economy. That changes a lot of dynamics with regards to growth that changes a lot of dynamics in terms of the spending power of, uh, of the average American. Is, are they doing it because they want to be there? Are they doing it because they have to be there? Some additional dive into that uh, data would be very helpful. I'm sure it's out there. We're going to continue to look for it, but I found that data to be interesting in terms of what we're understanding about a go-forward kind of space. We're living longer. Certainly, we have uh, additional expenses as we live longer. Also, we have higher inflation right now. So perhaps there's a need to have additional buying power in addition to our retirement savings. That could be part of the reason and why that's the case. So kind of interesting to keep in mind. Wanted to leave you with that anecdotal point here before we sign off. Well, friends, I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Always, it is my pleasure to be with you here on the show. And we're looking forward to being with you next week here on WSIC. Serving you better than ever before. WSIC, Statesville, W290DK Mooresville, W264CU Statesville.